Come on. That's so good. Well, my name is Leslie. Those of you that maybe don't know me, uh, I'm the women's pastor. Get to serve the women uh, of this church, and I absolutely love it. My husband and I are also the associate lead pastors, um, or associate pastors. I don't know what that even means, but whatever. Um, and he's right back there in the in the sound booth. Our, our lead pastors, Kurt and Emily, are taking a much-needed six-week sabbatical that our board told them to go on. They are doing fantastic. They lead this church very, very well. We are humbled to get to run with them, but, um, but that, they are in the middle of that right now. They actually just got back from Maui early, early this morning. It sounds like they had like an hour layover or something in Vegas, which they were not planning on. Actually, it was delayed flight, so that does not sound fun, but um, they are back in Colorado. If you want to see them, go climb a 14er. I'm sure you'll run into them at the top. That's probably what they're going to spend the rest of their three weeks doing, you know? So funny. All right, well, we are going to jump into the word I'm trying to get my head wrapped around this a little bit. I was just lost in the presence there. So I just want to pray. I want to pray over the word because the Lord has something more he wants to do this morning. So Jesus, we love you. We love you so much. This time truly is yours. Holy Spirit, open our eyes, open our ears to hear and receive all that you have for us today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in a series called From Dream to Destiny. Pastor Kurt began this when he uh, left for sabbatical. This is a series uh, that Robert Morris, Pastor Robert Morris, actually did in early 2000s. And it has ministered to Kurt over the years, and he thought, heck, while I'm out, this is a great thing for the pastoral staff to kind of take a a piece and run with it. So we are in the middle of this. Uh, Pastor Kurt uh, started it off with the pride test. Then he did the pit test. Pastor Harmony did the prophetic test last week. And this week, we are going to do the palace test. I will give you a definition for the palace test here in just a moment. But before that, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip them open to the book of Genesis. It's the very first book in the Bible. If you don't know where it's at, right at the beginning. Just go there. Chapter 39. We are looking at the story of Joseph. God has a dream for every single person. And he has a destiny for every single person to fulfill. Okay, and the process between when that dream is given and, and for us to walk into that destiny, there is a process, and it, it builds our character. It's a needed process. God is so gracious to us to not say, here, I'm going to give you a dream. Now plop, here it is, because guess what? That destiny will crush us. We need character to withstand the weight of the destiny. God is gracious to us, and so we're embracing, we're walking through these character tests and embracing them and applying them to our lives. Genesis 39, let's begin in verse 1. It says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought, with him, the, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him, and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. And he made him overseer of, over his house, and all that he owned he put in his charge. It came about that from that time he made him overseer in his house and over all that he owned. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. 
So he left everything he owned to Joseph's charge, and with him there he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Okay, that really has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. That actually is a segue for the weeks to come, but we're just finishing out verse 6. Joseph had favor. Joseph was successful. If you hop down to verse 23, this is when Joseph is in prison, a similar thing is said of him again. It says, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Now, there's two things I want to point out about this before we get going too far. The first thing is that the life that God has for you is to make you successful and prosperous. I'm going to say that again. The the plan that God has for your life is to make you successful and prosperous. I'm trying to look at your faces because some of you are already saying, oh, great, it's going to be a prosperity message. It is going to be a prosperity message. It is. But it may not be the one you think it's going to be. The second thing, the reason God wants you to be prosperous and successful in your life is not for you. It's for those around you. How many of you think Joseph becoming, he was a favored Hebrew in his household, was sold into slavery from, and and was sold and became um, the slave of an Egyptian? How many of you think that's success and prosperous? It's not. But God was with him and made him prosperous and successful. The palace test teaches us how to live a prosperous and successful life. And that's what we're going to look at today. Now let me first give you a definition of what God thinks success and prosperity looks like. The, the definition, the Hebrew definition, it is the same word between success and prosperity All it means is to move forward. It has nothing to do with riches. It has nothing to do with fame. It has nothing to do with with anything but God moving you forward. If you will grasp that, you can be in any season of life. And as long as you are, are following the Lord, you are being successful. You are being prosperous because he's moving you. He's moving you forward into his will into the likeness of Jesus. That's the goal. The goal is not that you are the most famous person on the earth. The goal is not that you are the richest person on the earth. The goal is that you look more and more like Jesus so that he can say, there's my bride, I recognize her, and I'm coming back for her. That is prosperity. That is being successful in the kingdom. All right. So there's four keys I want to run through real quick. How do we do this? First one, the key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. We just read that about Joseph. The presence of the Lord was with him, and he became successful and prosperous. You know who else knew this? Moses. Moses knew how important the presence was. Moses was raised in Pharaoh's kingdom. For 40 years, he was raised with money, with fame, with riches, with power. He goes for 40 years to a backside of the mountain, and then he's called to lead people out. And you know what he took away from his 80 years of life while he's in the desert? God, if your presence does not go with me, I cannot go. 
That's the heart he's looking for in his people. I want your presence so much. I will lay down everything else I have, all riches, all fame, because all I want is your presence. That's Exodus 33. I don't know if they put that up there. Exodus 33, 15. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. We have to be desperate for the presence. The presence pushes you forward. The presence leads to prosperity. The presence leads to success and promotion. Powerful. Third John 3, 2 says, Beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. The emphasis here is on the soul, on the mind, the will, and the emotions. The question with the presence becomes, Lord, is my will, is my mind, are my emotions, is it seeking you? Am I moving forward and I want your will in my life? Or am I seeking the will that the world tells me I should want? That's your question. How's your soul doing? We have good friends, Matt and Jory Henderson. Man, we'll sit with them, and Jory will look at you, and she's like, how's your soul? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't know. I mean, what do you see that I don't, you know? I love it, though. Because what, what am I desiring, Lord? Am I desiring the presence, or am I desiring what I want? It's a good question. It's your soul prospers. All right, so how do we remain in his presence? What's the key to remaining in the presence? The key to the presence is obedience. Ooh, twitch a little bit. It's obedience. I like what um, Robert Morris says. I'm going to quote him here. He says, we get to heaven by grace, but being prosperous in this life is through obedience. It's through obedience. How many of you think that uh, the things that Jesus went through and that he tells us to do, that we should do that? How many of you think that? If it's not too good for Jesus, it shouldn't be too good for us. Okay, I'm kind of looking around. Good. I want to read something. We don't, we don't necessarily love this verse maybe, but I want to read something and, and get our head wrapped around this. This is Hebrews 5, verses 8 through 10. Speaking of Jesus, son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. Church, we need to toughen up a little bit. Seriously. We think success and prosperity is a comfortable life. Jesus said, a successful, prosperous life is going to a cross. That'll move forward. That moves me forward. Saving people. It's, in tri- it's easy to obey when life's going great, isn't it? But in trials and tribulation, it's hard to obey. And that's when God's saying, that's when I'm perfecting, perfecting you. I'm, I'm pushing you forward more into the likeness of Jesus. There's two people in the, in the Bible that are, they, uh, they describe this well, or we can see it well. It's King Saul and David. Listen to this. In 1 Samuel 18, verse 12, it says, Saul was afraid of David 
because the Lord was with David, but had departed Saul. Was Saul obedient or disobedient? Disobedient. When we're disobedient, when you're disobedient, when the world is disobedient, this presence departs. But if you drop down two verses, look at this. First Saul 18 verse 14. First Samuel, not Saul. Whoa. First Samuel 18 verse, verse 14. In everything he did, he had great success, speaking of David, because the Lord was what? With him. He was obedient. The Lord, the presence remained on him. I was speaking to a woman yesterday, and she was telling me just a quick story of something that had happened this past week. And this woman has adult children. And her adult children are, they're serving the Lord, and there's a very tight family structure there. And this woman has a sister. And her sister's family, she did not raise her children in the ways of the Lord. And her, her family's very dysfunctional. Her children are a mess. And this woman was telling me that she had heard a conversation that her own sister had said to her, I'm jealous of you. I'm jealous of your relationship with your children. The one woman that I spoke to was obedient to the Lord. She said, the Bible tells me to raise my children in the fear of the Lord. There is this favor and the presence that comes over that. This other woman did not do it. And she was experiencing like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm jealous of you. Now, some of you are going to be like, what are you saying? It's okay to be jealous? I was thinking about this this morning, and I was kind of like running it over through my head. The Lord gives favor for a time right now to the Gentiles. Why? What's he doing? He's provoking the Jews to jealousy. He's provoking them because he wants them to come back to him. He wants them to recognize Jesus as Messiah. Now, am I saying this is permission for the church to have jealousy? Absolutely not, because you are a dead, you're dead to your flesh. You are alive in Christ. But there should be a, distinguish, a distinguishing, or it should be distinguished between the church and the world. There should be a distinguishness. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but whatever. You guys understand what I'm trying to say. When he sees, when the world sees, why are these people so successful? I promise you they are not looking at your money. They're not looking at your fame. They're looking at the peace. They're looking at the joy. They're looking at how you overcome one thing to another, how you are being prospered and moving forward from the one thing to the next. That's what they're looking for, and they're like, I want that. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. So what's the key to obedience? Key to obedience is faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 gives us a perfect definition of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Many translations say the assurance. When you're going through difficult times and it's tough to obey, we need faith. We need to know God's character. We need to know his nature. We need to know he's not just going to leave us to rot and die on this mountain. He's all, oh, man, no. I work all things for good for those who love me. I'm going to keep moving you forward. You need that faith to be obedient. In fact, there's a clear thing, too, that God says, without faith, it's impossible to please me. Faith is pretty important there. We need faith. 
Listen to this, three, Hebrews 3, 18 through 19. And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest if not those who disobey? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Disobedience and unbelief go hand in hand. When you don't believe, when you don't believe that God is good, when you don't believe in his faithfulness and his goodness, you disobey. But when you can say, God, I believe you. I don't know how this is supposed to work for good. I don't understand these things, but, but I'm going to stand on your truth. I'm going to let faith muster up. You begin to obey. And what happens when you obey? You attract the presence. And what happens when the presence of the Lord is with you? You're successful and you're prosperous. It goes hand in hand. Last key, what's the key to faith? I, you guys already know this. So exciting. It's found in Romans 10, 17. And I think we should read it together because it is so darn clear. If you are in this room and you're like, I don't know if I have faith to believe for that. Here's how you're going to get faith. Is it up there? Nope, not yet. Okay, now it is. Here we go. Let's read it together. Come on, and read it like you mean it. Here we go. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's your answer. If you don't have any faith, it's because you have not gotten a word from the Lord. And you need a word from the Lord. Because when the word of of God speaks, it breaks through doubt. It breaks through unbelief. And it will go forth and will do everything it was set out to accomplish. You need to hear the word of the Lord. I love this church because every Sunday when we come together, we leave time for what we call ministry time. That is really a time for everyone in this room to tune their ear into the word of God and say, what do you have for today? What are we going to break through, God? When you don't have faith, when you're like, man, my faith is so weak right now, guess what I'm going to tell you? Guess what a lot of people are probably going to tell you? Well, what's the Lord telling you? What's God speaking to you? Because if you don't have that, it's going to be really difficult to get faith. It's going to be really difficult to get faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm going to tell you a quick story unraveling this from the ground up. So how the word of God came about, how faith was released, how obedience came, and how the presence of the Lord came and um, a, a situation became very successful and prosperous. Several years, I have a friend of about 14, 15 years, and about a year into our friendship, she had come to me and she said, hey, our family has decided to adopt. We're so excited. We're going to adopt from Ethiopia. They had three biological children. Um, I think I shared this story maybe with the women a little a while back, but um, we have these three biological children, and God told us to do this. So they picked this little girl. She's two years old from Ethiopia. Her, her name is Kume, and um, they began the... the uh, adoption stuff. I don't know, whatever you have to do to get it all rolling. And everything was done and, and, and um, it was set in stone, except that they were waiting on Ethiopia. Something on their end was not allowing the adoption to become totally final. And so they were super excited about this. They knew God told them to do it, but it was delayed and it was delayed and it was delayed. And they got some, uh, a wind of hope, like, hey, we're going to start moving again. Oh, never mind, we're not. This thing was delayed for seven 
years. Seven years. This girl who is two years old, she has been chosen by a family and adopted, and it took her, and it took seven years for this to become final. So she calls me one day. This was about five years ago or something. She calls me. She says, Leslie, I don't know what to do. I've lost all faith. I don't know what to do with this. It's a hopeless situation. We have changed my daughter's bedroom two times. Two times. One for when she was a little two, three-year-old, and now one for when she was like seven and eight years old. And she said her other daughter, her biological daughter who lived at home, she said, Mom, is my sister Kume ever really coming home, or is that just the nice thing we do? Uh, The whole family was confused. They're like, no, this is not happening. So my friend, as she said, I've lost faith. I just kind of wish, I feel like I have a loved one um, that that is like on a deathbed, and I wish God would just pull the plug because I can't keep doing this with my heart. She's out of faith. She's out of hope. So I said, okay, well, let's pray. We're going to start praying now. So for about two days, I would pray for her, think about it, you know, just here and there. One particular morning, it was a Monday morning, I woke up early, I wasn't thinking about her, and I read a story in Genesis, I think it's Genesis 26, it's talking about Isaac. And all it says at at the beginning of the chapter is that there was a great famine in the land. And then it goes on to talk about this whole wild story. And then about halfway through, it says, and Isaac planted, he planted, um, all his, his stuff. He sowed into the land. And I thought, what a weird thing to do. In a famine, why would you try to plant a lot? You know the rain's not coming. But it was because he, was, he believed in God. He was, he was being faithful to the Lord. He said, all right, Lord, I'm gonna, I still need to eat. I still need food. I am planting. And because of his faithfulness and his trust in God, the Bible says that he got a hundred return. He got a hundredfold return for that. In a famine, he got all of it back. So I think I read that, whatever, went about my day. Monday night, we go to bed. And most of you know, I am the one that goes to sleep early. Like, it's 8 o'clock. I'm all I'm out. But I wasn't this particular night. Adam had fallen asleep. It was 10 o'clock Monday night. And I'm laying in bed. And oftentimes when I can't sleep, I start thinking about the day. And I start dialoguing with the Lord of what has happened. What has happened throughout the day? What did I read? What am I meditating on? And he took me back to Genesis. And we started talking. And he, he drives a conversation with me often by asking me questions. He's all, hey, Leslie, remember Genesis? Remember that story of Isaac? I'm like, yeah, Lord. That was weird. You know, it's a crazy story. He's like, yeah, it was. He's like, it was because of his faithfulness that I gave him that. He's like, yeah. And then he said, you know, Heidi, it's my friend. I said, yeah. He's all, she's been faithful. I'm all, yeah, she has, Lord. She's, she's made a room for this girl two different times. I know, Lord, she has. And then I heard the Lord, the word of the Lord in a powerful way. And he said, tell Heidi that Kume is coming home. Tell her Kume is coming home. And I said, oh, my gosh, Lord. I'm like, uh, okay. So I pick up my phone. It's 10 o'clock at night, and I write out this long text, tell her exactly. And, and I even began by saying, I feel like the Lord said. And the Lord corrected me, and he said, did I tell you to feel that way, or did I tell you what to do? Come on, right? Now, listen, I want you to hear this for a second because there are some times we're like, Lord, I don't know if this is the word of the Lord, but I'm really excited about this. And you actually can cause some hurt and pain. So be careful in your delivery. But there are times when the Lord says, tell her, this is the word of the Lord. So I did it. And then I sat there and I looked at my phone for a minute and I'm like, oh, Lord, you better come through. And I hit send. The word of the Lord came forward 
I believed in faith, and then I was obedient. I sent the text. What happens next? The presence of the Lord comes. I laid back down in my bed on my back, closed my eyes, and I felt the presence of the Lord enter our room like I've never experienced him before. And it was this weighty presence that just hovered over my body. And I thought, if I open my eyes, I will be in heaven. I am going to be dead. Keep it shut if you want to see your kids in the morning, right? <laughs> like, keep them shut. And I'm laying there, and I can feel the spirit, the presence of God, just moving up and down. And then all of a sudden, my ears open up. And I begin to hear these footsteps, these these soft footsteps quietly walking in like a corridor, in a, in a hallway that would echo. And I, I heard those footsteps begin to increase and intensify. And I could tell it was urgent. Whatever was going on, it was urgent. And then I could start seeing these bodies. My eyes were open. I could see these, these people, and they were dressed in, like, business suits or business attire. I could hear um, women in, like, high heels, and they were moving rapidly. Whatever was happening, it needed to be done quickly. And then I saw a woman carrying a folder of files, and I heard papers shuffling. And I was like, Lord, what is is this? What are you telling me? And he said, Kume is coming home. And then he left. And I laid there and I was like, I don't know how this is going to happen, but there, for, there is something you are doing, Lord. You are at work doing something. So the next morning we had gone skiing and my friend, she gave me the, she's kind of in the Eeyore syndrome stage. I mean, she's, she's without faith right now, right? So she responds to my text and she's all, thank you, Leslie, for the nice text. We'll see, you know, if Kume's really coming. Well, now I know something. Kume's coming home. So I'm like, whatever, I don't care if you're all discouraged or whatever. I know she's coming home. So I responded to her and I said, well, there's actually more to the story. I can't tell you today, but I'll tell you in, over the next couple days or whatever. So this was a Tuesday. Wednesday, she texts me and she says, Leslie, I, I can't meet. I think we were supposed to meet on Thursday or something. I can't meet, but I need to know what the rest of your story was. And she said, because yesterday afternoon, our adoption agency reached out to us and said, this is wild, but they are ready to move on Kume again. Like I, and she goes, and this has happened before. She goes, so I almost feel like it's this false hope. It's not really going to happen. And so I picked up that phone, and I'm like, okay, here's what happened. I told her the whole story. She says to me, she goes, oh, my gosh, tell her the vision. She said, Leslie, the way our adoption agency emailed us, it said, Kume's file has been taken out under a stack of files and randomly brought up to the top, and they looked at this girl has been out, like she has not been adopted, or this has not been finalized in seven years. It needs to take place right now. My vision was, was these files, files being shuffled, randomly taken to the top, and they say, we need to move on this right now. They got on a plane, their family, they went to Ethiopia, and six weeks later, Kume came home. She was home. That was the word of the Lord. It was the word of the Lord. What's crazier is I get off the phone with her that day, and I call my mom, because I tell my mom all my cray-cray. She's like, I understand you, Leslie. You're such a weirdo, but I get it. God just deals with you really in special ways. I tell her this story, and she said, Leslie, I wonder what the time difference is between here, Colorado, and Ethiopia. I was like, I don't know. We should look. 10 p.m. Monday night when I had this encounter with the Lord was 8 a.m. 
Tuesday morning in Ethiopia when businesses are opening, government things are moving. It's like in the spirit, the Lord, I don't know if he teleported me or by faith through this word of the Lord, exercising faith, opens the door to obedience, brings the presence of the Lord. And he says, now I'm going to make this family successful. I'm bringing Kume home and I am promoting and I am going to prosper this entire situation. That's the way it works in our life, you guys. That's the way it works. Maybe not always to that level. Maybe not always to that degree and that intensity. But the word of the Lord, we need the word of the Lord. As I was praying for you guys this morning, the Lord has a couple things he wants to say. This is how we're going to wrap up. He has a couple specific words in this room. First one he said... He said, Leslie, tell my church that the time is short. Tell them that the time is short. What are you doing for him? What are you doing every day? Are you living for your own life? Are you living your own way? Are you going after your own dreams? Or is your will submitted to the Lord Jesus and you say, God, you move me forward. You make me successful. You make me prosperous. The time is short, church. It's not time to play games. Second thing he said is, tell them about Jesus. Tell them about my son. A lot of you in this room already know him. He's amazing. But if you are in this room and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, this is what the Lord would say to you today. This is what God would say to you. You can't know me. You can't know me unless you know my son first. Because it is only through the blood of Jesus that we come into relationship with God the Father. God's got a destiny for you. He's got a destiny for you. But if you don't yield to his son, if you don't ask him to be the Lord of your life, you will never come in into that destiny with Father God. If you haven't made that decision this morning and you want to do that, you know in your heart. I want you to come up afterwards. We'll have some ministry team up and we want to pray with you. It's the best decision you'll ever make. And the other thing I want to say to some of you in this room is you say, yeah, I've I've asked Jesus into my heart. I'm saved. I'm heaven bound. Have you yielded your will? Have you yielded that life so that Jesus can prosper you and make you successful? Or are you still, again, living living your own life? Did you become a convert and not a disciple? Jesus is looking for disciples, ones that will lay their life down every day, no matter what the cost is, and follow him. He said, tell them I love them. God would say to you, I love you. I love you. And I am perfecting you in my love. And perfect love casts out all fear. If you struggle with anxiety, if you're worrying about anything, if you're afraid of death, if you're afraid of the unknown, you have not been perfected in his love. He wants to perfect you in love today. I raised my hand to him when he said this one. I'm like, oh, Jesus, I know there's things in my life I still am a little scared of. The last thing he said is tell them I am faithful and I am good. 
I am faithful and I am good. And whatever I have spoken over their lives, whatever I have said to them in the darkness of the night, I will bring it to pass. They just got to keep reminding themselves of my word. Let faith stir up faith is what we did this morning. Stir up that faith. Walk in obedience. The presence of God will be all over your life, and he'll continue to do his job and change you from glory to glory, moving you forward. That is the kingdom's idea of success and prosperity. Very different than the world's. We need to run after him. You'll have the greatest life if you'll do it that way. Why don't you all stand up? I'm going to pray for you. And I just want you guys, just posture your hearts before the Lord. If any part of this, if you're having a disconnect in obedience, if you're having a disconnect in faith, maybe you just feel distant. You're like, I just don't feel the Lord. I want you just to just humble yourself. Say, Lord, what am I missing here? Because he'll speak to you. He'll speak to your heart. He'll say something way better than I ever could, than any of the staff ever could. You need the word of God. Jesus, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your love. God, you just love your people. We receive that right now. We receive that love, God. I ask that destinies in this room would just, um, Lord, that you would remind your people of their destiny. And if they don't know their destiny, God, that you would begin right now to impart to them so that that hope can be stirred, that faith can be stirred, God, and they can see, man, there's so much to life than just doing the mundane, the daily, God. But every single day you want to encounter us. You want to speak to us. You want to call us higher. You are moving us from glory to glory and changing you, changing us into your image, God. That's an exciting life. Lord, let it just come to life right now across the room. God, we love you. We love you. We surrender again. We say yes to you again and again and again. Thank you for choosing us, Lord. We choose you. (laughs) We love you. Give you all the glory and all the praise today. God, speak clearly to your people. In Jesus' name, amen.